Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today I have the privilege of chatting to Katie Norbury. So Katie is the, I always want to say co-founder, you're not co-founder, you are the sole founder of uh, Get Perhaps. So thank you so much for jumping on here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. No, it's good. It's just, I don't know, like we are saying before we started, it's nice chatting about to women who are in similar spaces, but totally different things. Like you both have a passion for something, but it's, it's irrelevant, but relevant at the same time. <laughs> it all aligns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for those who have no idea about who you are, what you do, what this great cause is that, you know, you're pushing, promoting, supporting, can you give us a bit of a rundown of that? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Katie and a few years ago now I started a um, non-profit project called Get Packed, which aims to raise awareness around cervical screenings or as they are quite commonly known and used to be known as pap smears. Um, so I decided to start an awareness campaign that um, was inspired by my own cervical screening pap smear abnormality that returned and resulted in biopsies and a little bit of a scare along the way. Um, and I wanted to kind of promote conversations, normalize the discussions around cervical screenings and really encourage people to book in for their pap smear or cervical screening on time, every time. Is that normal to have an abnormal one? Because I feel like I've had abnormal ones before and then they, I don't think it got, I don't think they're biopsied. I think maybe they just retested a little bit later and it came back normal. So is that common or? Yes. Yeah. So getting an abnormality returned on your cervical screening is completely normal and very common. But a lot of the stigma that's held through that is that they, you by getting an abnormal pap smear, that's showing that you have HPV, which is sexually transmitted. And the second that's said, the stigma just blows up, right? But I think it's something like 70% of people contract HPV at some point in their life. So it is very normal. Um, the biopsies tend to come in if that abnormality sticks around and your body doesn't fight it off itself. Um, and that's why it's really important to kind of stay on track because your doctor can keep track of how this abnormality is progressing. They can do a biopsy to see what's happening. And if something is happening, it can be removed before it turns cancerous. So it's amazing that we have this technology and ability to stop cancer from happening. And that unfortunately isn't the case with every type of cancer. Yeah, for sure. So how old were you when you had this scare and got the biopsy done? Um, I think the first time I was around 23 or 24. So now you don't need a cervical screening until you're 25. So I kind of look back on that time and all that anxiety that happened and think, you know, if I was born a couple of years later, I would have never had this scare because my body ended up fighting off the abnormality. 
Um, and it didn't, I didn't need any intervention or surgery. So it's, it's interesting that the age has changed. Some people um, feel quite negative about the change because you can develop cervical cancer before 25, um, but it is unusual. So pros and cons there. Yeah, I don't expect you to know the stats on this, but is cervical cancer a rarer form of cancer? Because it's not something I feel like I hear about all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not rare. I don't know the stats. I think that a big part of why we don't hear so much about cervical cancer is the stigma attached to cervical cancer. We we have this like very kind of not a positive relationship, but um, a positive promotion relationship with breast cancer. For example, it seems kind of safe and comfortable to discuss boobs on like midday television. But if I were to hop on to sunrise and talk to Koshi about my cervix I think he might get uncomfortable yeah. like, is that where some of this comes from I'm not entirely sure but it's it's actually interesting because you're like you're totally right about that but then on like a real serious note I had a client who was mid 40s so thought she was going into menopause having all the menopausal symptoms and just went like I'm really bloated I can't lose weight I'm so tired I'm so lethargic my periods are so heavy all this stuff going on and then I don't know I'd only known her for a week or two and then we'd recommend going to the GPs and she went in and got a scan done and she was like you know stage two or three like reasonably far along um I don't know whether it was cervical or ovarian cancer I I can't remember but she had all those symptoms of menopause but it actually turned out to be cancer and it was quite alarming in a sense because it's not something that we initially think of like if someone presents me with heavy painful periods I don't go go quick, check if it's cancer. Like it's not actually yeah. my first train of thought at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of a lot of the frustration around when it's like, no, the symptoms, but these symptoms are really common, like discharge and heavy periods and pain during sex, bleeding after sex, all of these things kind of do happen and are something that you discuss with your friends over a wine. Yeah. But we actually do need to be like saying, you know, what are, what do those symptoms mean? Do they match up with this? And yes, it's great to discuss that with a friend over a glass of wine, but discuss it with your doctor as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously had this abnormal smear, you did the biopsy, something came back and then the, obviously that triggered something in you that went, hey, this is not common or we need to create awareness or how did that train of thought happen? Yeah, I think what really triggered me to want to start something was how scared I was to have my first cervical screening. I was kind of like, oh, God, like, what are they doing? I've not really, I had chatted about it with friends, but I think that it wasn't, it was more of a, like, um, collaborative fear rather than a discussion of, like, oh, why am I doing this? Why is it important? And, hey, it's not that bad. Um, But then when I kind of had um, the biopsy, that's when I started to get really scared. So biopsy is more invasive than a cervical screening. That did involve a bit of my cervix being cut away to be tested. And with that comes seeing a gynecologist for the first time and being in an even more vulnerable position than a cervical screening. So I guess I wanted to push people to discuss that kind of stuff with their friends 
be accountable and be aware of, of what to expect because I didn't know anyone who'd had a biopsy until I started talking with friends and realized I had two friends who'd had a biopsy before. Wow. Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> that's really um, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right because I wouldn't know anyone who's had a biopsy now that I think about it. And I speak to women yeah. every single day, hundreds of women every single day. And I don't think anyone has ever said, I know a couple have got HPV, like recurring HPV infections, um, but mm-hmm. the biopsy is not that common. And even, I don't even know women who really talk about getting, you know, pap smear or cervical screening. So it yeah. used to be called pap smear, is that right? And it's changed. Yeah. So the test itself has changed and, Basically, the the technology behind what was done has improved. So that's why it used to be every three years. Now it's every five years. Um, They have more technology, better technology to see when HPV has been developed. So um, it's it's a really positive thing. And just on you saying you don't know anyone who's had a biopsy, I bet you probably can't count on your hands the amount of women you've met through your line of work who have because it's wow. it's really common since starting um get papped I speak to someone every week who's got a biopsy coming up who just wants to kind of debrief or a friend from 10 years ago will reach out and say oh I had a biopsy and like everyone's had a biopsy what's going on why didn't I know you when I was going through this so what actually is get papped? What can you break that down for us and go, what, you know, what is it? Yeah, so I run a website and um, social media, so primarily through Instagram, promoting the importance of cervical screenings and the importance of on-time cervical screenings is very important as well. So I initially started get papped simply through a birthday card that because you're supposed to get it on your 25th birthday is when you're supposed to have your cervical screening so I thought that's a great time to initiate this conversation so it's a cute little card that just wishes you a happy birthday and reminds you that your cervical screening is due and that you're going to hold that person accountable and then that can be given you know every five years after that um and but then it kind of expanded I had new ideas over the time so I also run a practitioner directory which has been a really um popular kind of program that I've been running because this practitioner directory allows people to recommend a GP that they visited and had a safe comfortable cervical screening with Mm -hmm. but it also allows people to find a GP whether that's because they've moved to a new place they don't know who to see or they think that this is a really scary first thing to do and they want to know for sure they're seeing someone who makes them feel comfortable. Will any GP run a cervical screening? Any GP should, but I think it's important to keep in mind that if you're seeing a GP that specializes in children's health and they usually list what they like to what they specialize in or what their interest areas are on their website, I wouldn't pick a men's health doctor to do my cervical screening and you know there could be an instance where a doctor goes oh this isn't really my area I'd prefer you to be seen by my colleague that's not an embarrassing thing to go to a doctor and be turned away that's a sign of a good doctor who knows where their skills are and knows that someone else might make you feel a little more comfortable 
Yeah, 100%. And there's something we already know, like what in my industry and all the women I work with, there's already such a stigma around GPs and them not listening and struggling Mm -hmm. to be heard and struggling to be seen. And then the last thing you want is going to, and I had this experience firsthand with GPs, is going there feeling like you're not being heard or you're not being listened to or, you know, and I hate to discriminate between male and female GPs, but I have gone to men before when I've had, you know, like a bit of BV or something, like bacterial vaginal and just feeling like I'm not being heard or seen so all those things kind of add up and I feel like even when I've had um like the internal ultrasounds and stuff before or seeing gynecologists like just sometimes you don't feel that comfortable and it's such I don't know there's all those things around it that I think it's just such a good initiative it's like anything when someone is referred you have this level of trust with them totally yeah yeah that's I think that's the big thing is what if you are someone who's you've just moved to say Darwin from Brisbane you have no friends yet who's going to refer you to a doctor you don't know who you can trust and this is kind of like you've got all these hundreds of friends online who've recommended a doctor who made them feel great I think that just gives you such a peace of mind and something on that too when you get a cervical screening it's very important that you're relaxed to reduce the discomfort of having a speculum inserted into you. So on that alone is reason to have a GP that makes you feel completely safe and completely comfortable because it's going to improve your experience. Yeah, so they insert it and they take some cells. Is that correct? I'm just trying to remember because I would have had Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Basically like a swab um, of your cervix, which is then sent away to be tested, Um, But something new has just been launched from July 1st, now last year, um, is that you can do self-collection. So cervical self-collection where the swab looks just like a COVID swab and you can go into the bathroom or behind the curtain and insert it yourself rather than a speculum. So it's a... Yeah, that would be like your B, almost like your BV type swabs then or your thrush yep. candida type ones, isn't it? It'd just be, ah, yep. oh, interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a really great alternative. And when you think about people who might be culturally diverse where a, um, a regular cervical screening may not be appropriate or if someone has been sexually assaulted or perhaps someone's just extremely scared, this is a a really great alternative for someone who's completely uncomfortable with the thought of a cervical screening. Yeah, so does that call for the elimination of needing a GP to do it at all? Because I'm going to hands down say I'd rather insert something in me (laughs) any day down the line. But if for some reason it's the accuracy is slightly less or it's just not like, you know, it's almost like, well, do does this take away the need to have a GP do it at all? Or There's definitely, I mean, there's an element that reduces your need to see a GP, right? I think the conversations that you have before will still be really important because if we completely reduced, um, if we completely kind of ended that GP conversation, the missing opportunities for a GP to discuss whether someone's in a domestically violent situation because a, a cervical screening is a really kind of important time for a doctor to get to the bottom of your health where you're probably alone in the room, it's safe, it's comfortable, you have the option of discussing what contraception you're on, whether you're practicing safe sex. There's a lot of great conversations that come from a cervical screening 
Something to note with self-collection, if you return an abnormal cervical screening, you will have to come back and it will be the regular cervical screening. So the doctor will be able to look at your cervix, which is really important, but it's a great alternative because it's going to get more people screened. Yeah, for sure. So what is the current process at the moment? You basically, you turn 25, you make an appointment with a GP, a trusted GP, you go in and get your cervical screening and then you don't, if it all comes back normal, that's it for five years? Yep, five-year break. But getting people to remember to come back in five years, how hard is that? There's not enough being done. I'm running GetPaps completely for free without any funding. The government is doing little some charities are doing quite little. I just think this five years, we need to keep people engaged. Even two and a half years in, like how are you thinking of your cervical screening from back then? Yeah. It's so hard to keep people engaged. And I think that more needs to be done to reach people where we are. So podcasts like this, for example, are a great reminder to people that they need their cervical screening. Instagram posts, things like that are actually really important. It's almost like, like I almost want to say, you know how, because there's obviously the census. So like my dad, when he turned 50 or 60, whatever it is, and they get the bowel cancer test sent out to them. It's almost like we just need to be doing that across the board when everyone, someone turns 25. I know there's a huge outlay of resources and money and I like, I get all of that, but even, you know, something along those, even if it was just a pamphlet, because you don't, you obviously don't need to, I mean, at some stage, maybe they'll just send out self-collection test kits to 25 year olds, but it's that kind of stuff. Or even like, I can't remember the last time I walked into a GP clinic and saw a thing saying, have you been cervically screened as well? Like I think of that kind of stuff must be, huge because even following up like I think about dentist appointments right and every six months they send you a text reminder like even something along those lines even if you're not going to that dentist anymore you're like oh that's right it's been six months I should go do that Mm -hmm. like it's just I don't know you're right there could be so much more done yeah and I think as well the thing that kind of frustrates me a little is there is a letter sent out for your cervical screening but if we're thinking about 25 year olds they're not living where they registered their address. They're, they're such a transient group of people. I mean, you know, I'm 27 now and I still feel like I'm in this group of like, where am I living? I haven't lived in the same place for over a year since I was 17. I'm always changing leases and living overseas. So why aren't we approaching people where suits them via email, via text? like something a little better than a really boring letter that comes through that actually does make it feel more scary when you get a black and white letter from government. Yeah, and like we get frustrated at how much access the government has to us with my health record and our phone numbers and our all these other things, but at the same time, it's actually also a blessing when we do need to be reached with these reminders because like I said, like I don't know the last, I probably got it when I was like, 18, 19, like when it was first recommended that you get it when you're so many years after being sexually active or something, I don't know, it would have been early 20s, but flip, I'm 29, almost 30 now. I can't, I can't remember. So <laughs> it's that kind of stuff where you're like, oh, if I'd had a reminder, would I have got it done? And I mean, it's not, I think of other things like that, like skin checks are exactly the same. Like how many yep. young kids in 20 or young adults, 20 to 30 are going and getting their skin check? Like it's, we need, you're right, we need more awareness, don't we? 
yeah yeah absolutely I don't know and I I don't think there's actually an easy solution I think that's the hardest part yeah. is that we actually need to do letters we need to do texts there needs to be Instagram reels to suit everyone yeah. because it it's a really big issue and I think it's it's interesting you bring up the bowel cancer screening because I think that actually is quite an amazing um, program that's running mm. but it is sad when we think of this like women only issue as cervical screenings tend to be or women identifying um, I think it's frustrating to me at times because I think that if we had this male issue would this be better promoted you know what they should do the government because obviously it needs funding like all this stuff needs funding but the government should just um pay like all your tampon and pad companies and all your menstrual cup companies and just have a tiny little thing that says get papped and a little qr (laughs) code or like have you been papped or something lately and just put on every single pad tampon box ever (laughs) and then because then you've got this constant reminder because you're right like we miss everything we miss driver's license renewals coming in the mail we miss stuff from the government we miss my health guard like we're so bombarded with constant things that unless it's something that you're seeing because even a real or instagram post i would look at it and be like oh i should do that and then straight out the brain yeah it's it's (laughs) i think the best thing as well that can happen is i I think a lot of people on the Get Papped Practitioner Directory do this, but a doctor who, when you come for a cold, is saying, when was your last cervical screening? Mm. Oh, it was six years ago. We're doing it now. Come on, let's do it. I'll quickly push this through. You don't need to come back again. It's happening now. Because when that happens, you're actually going to do it. There's no excuse. Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. That's kind of like in a weird way, which I don't want to get into, but it's kind of like the COVID vaccine. You go in for something else and anything you went in for, they asked you if you'd been vaccinated. Like there was no getting away from the question, whether you said yes or no or chose to do it is completely up to you, but it was right there in your face. And if, you know, they kind of did that with every female between you know, even in 25 to 35 or 25 to 40 or something, we're like, hey, when was your last one? And then if you go, I don't know, they would be able to jump in and look at your records anyway. Like yep. it's a pretty straightforward process. Totally. I think in the, the busy world that we live in, convenience is key. So if we can make a cervical screening incredibly convenient, it's more likely to happen. So what's in store for Get Packed? What's in store for Katie? Is it just trying to grow this stuff? Is it your baby that slowly you want to take on more and more? Or do you think it's always going to just be this, you know, awareness, passion project in the background? I really want to grow the practitioner directory because I really can see solid data-driven progress there and I can see that it's working it's had over 20,000 people view it and most of those were just in the last year so you know people are using it and that's a really valuable tool and I think it's great because GPs are also very happy and honored that somebody recommended them so I think it's a nice bridging scenario of we love doctors we love great doctors and we love cervical screening so it's kind of it comes together there so that's the thing I'm most proud of and I would most like to continue to grow in terms of making grow and get papped I'm always hesitant to say like yeah I want it to be huge and massive because I love 
doing the work and it's a really nice outlet for me but I also do love being able to do other work and other passion projects I love to do so many hobbies I definitely have a problem that I need to rein in like I'm learning how to sew at the moment last year I learned how to knit I'm working full-time I'm cooking you know it's just I have a lot of things that I want to do and I definitely want to keep Get Papped going, mm. but I don't know that I want to only work alone for me because I am quite a social being. So the thought of that frightens me. I'd yeah. love to grow it more, but the thought of just working solo is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to my world. It's, oh, it's probably the worst thing about an online business is those yeah. days by yourself at home where sometimes you're like, I just want to talk to a real human. Like you can't. Yeah, like, I bet. But it's yeah. I I see. I see what you mean. And also, like, I guess there's that element of like not what else is there but it's at the moment it's an awareness campaign yes. and unless you monetize that into more merchandise or more events or more yeah. you know all those kinds of things and all of a sudden you're the, thing. the soul of it as well aren't you like I completely agree because if I were to do this full-time I would need a full-time income to survive and that would mean that get packed would turn into solely a business kind of thing I would have to sell stuff through an online store and I don't want that to be my life I would happily do things like this like talking to you is what I love yeah. making an Instagram post meeting people but that doesn't generate money which is not what get Pat's about so I think it would have to take on a new role or if anyone extremely wealthy is listening to this hit me up because then problem solved exactly if you could just be have an income and just go into promotion full time because how good would it be to run women's events and kind of like the biggest morning tea type stuff but the biggest pap smear like you know what I mean like just these we'll have a cervical screening drive where people just like come for like a cocktail that I coax them into getting their cervical screening that's the dream yes yes but that that kind of like, because I love that stuff as well, like the workshops, the awareness, the people, the like that kind of those connections, that community, like I feel like that's what drives these kinds of things. Totally, totally. And I, yeah, I mean, it's always hard, but I think it, I think it is nice to kind of have this creative promotion, health promotion outlet for me. That's something that I enjoy doing. And I think I've got quite a healthy relationship with Get Packed and how I manage it with my work life, social life, and then this is kind of my project. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you've got such a beautiful, open, friendly personality that the people like you are, are the ones who create and drive these things as well because people are naturally drawn to you. I can see that. I can feel that. Yeah. So it's you're always a good promoter of this kind of stuff because people go, oh, yeah, like Katie said, or yes, I, <laughs> I believe it. Like it's, it's, it's great. I, I really value what you do. No, oh, thank you. No, it, it is nice. I feel very lucky for the community that Get Hacked has pulled in. I think it's a very supportive community. You know, I see some people on Instagram trying to put themselves out there and people are so horrible. So I feel very lucky to have such a beautiful community. I recently wanted to um, reach out to all of the doctors and the GP mm. clinics on the Get Pats, um practitioner directory. And I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone could help. I put it out there to see if anyone would want to help me contact all 500 clinics 
And I had about 80 people jump in, contact them on behalf of Get Paps in their own free time. And I, I think it's just kind of a, it's a surprise because we're constantly told like, oh, your generation is so lazy and social media is terrible, but it's completely not my experience. I'm sure it's not your experience. It's, nah. it's great. I'd, yeah, I totally get that. And I will, like, be after this, I will be adding your link in your website to every single practitioner note I send out to clients now. It's just going to be in their forms from now on going, when was your last pap senior? Like, when was, you know, get pap, go and have a look and check into yeah. it. Because I just think there's, yeah, there's so many elements of awareness. And the other thing, like, from a purely selfish point of view is that having a network of good GPs, like, like uh, cervical screens aside, like mm-hmm. even if we're not talking about that, someone has gone and seen that GP and trusted them to do something personal and intimate. And if they can trust them with that, then yeah. I feel really good recommending them and saying to my clients, hey, have a look and see if one of these GPs are near you. Because if if they can do that, then I feel confident you can ask them for an alternative option to the birth control or to get some yes hormones tested or something because they yeah anyway that's I totally yeah I agree with that I think I think that is it's such a good resource and another thing on the practitioner directory in the past maybe eight months I've added in the form that you can list if you have um, visited them and you have any kind of diversity or inclusion reasons that it might be difficult to see a doctor so if you're LGBTQIA plus plus size cultural cultural or I can't get I can never say this linguistically or culturally diverse or you're a first nations person it's it's harder to see a doctor you know it's we can anyone can see a doctor but to have a good experience with a doctor with an added layer of diversity is even more difficult so knowing that someone else has had a positive experience again (laughs) with that extra layer feels impossible but we're proving it is possible yes exactly so where can we find that directory what's it's just on the get papped website so if you just go to get-papped.com you'll be able to find it on there um it's just a little map basically of australia i'd love for it to be worldwide one day we'll see um and you can zoom in or search for the city or town that you live in and find a doctor Awesome. Yeah, I have had a little squeeze. So I will link that in for you guys listening as well. But yeah, it's just get-pat.com. So you can find that pretty easily. And then also you can stalk Katie over, I believe the Instagram's just at getpat. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Awesome. So make sure you jump over, have a follow, have a look at that. And also if you haven't done a cervical screening recently, please, 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 please go over and have <laughs> A look, but just thank you so much for the awareness you're bringing and creating for us all. I, I really appreciate it and value what you do. No, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about cervical screenings. It's not the sexiest or most fun topic, but I think we gave it a good go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Katie. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.